Hi, I'm Natanya Anderson. And I'm Christy Willis. And we are two Austin-loving, food-loving gals. We've both been writing about the Austin food scene for over eight years and wanted to share the stories behind the plate. In this podcast, we'll give you a deeper look into the lives of our favorite chefs, food artisans, beverage, and hospitality professionals. We hope you enjoy their stories as much as we do. We are here today with Zach Northcutt, executive chef at Swift's Attic, mm-hmm. and um, tell us a little bit about what you do, Zach. Uh, we have been in downtown Austin for coming up on four years. Uh, we opened during South by uh, four years ago, so every South by is our birthday. <laughs> Looking for a happy fourth one, so it's uh, it's interesting to watch downtown evolve. Um, you know, uh, food-wise, we like to focus on kind of stuff that you don't find. One of the quotes that we like to use is we like to do unfamiliar product in a familiar way or familiar techniques with unfamiliar products. You know, everybody knows what popcorn shrimp is, but I like to take sweetbreads and make popcorn sweetbreads, something like that. Try to I don't want to say I try to trick people in, into eating something that they're not familiar with, but I do like to help people try something new. Um, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. There are made-up words on our menu. Um, so when people <laughs> Google stuff, you're probably not going to find all of it. Um, but I have heard that it's a very uh, Google-necessary menu from time to time. Um, but that's just kind of where we're just kind of all over the place. We don't have to be French. We don't have to be Italian. Uh, we're lucky enough to be an ingredient-driven restaurant and kind of do what we want to do. We're just a bunch of gearheads and like to have fun. That's awesome. So you have a reputation as a lover of meat. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the tattoo on your calf? Uh, yes. Uh, back in the day working with Will Packwood, we had talked about some form of a design of a crucified pig. Uh, and I drew it up and may or may not have tagged some graffiti in downtown Austin with it. But that's many years ago, so there's no evidence. It's fine. Uh, and then... Ended up turning it into a tattoo. Um, I think the best part is the guy who gave me the tattoo was a vegetarian, but he didn't tell me until we had already started. I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't mess it up. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's praise the lard, and it's just an homage to the most amazing mythical animal there is, that so many tasty pork products come from it. Nice. Do you have a favorite protein that you're working with right now? You talked a little bit about experimenting with different things on the menu. Um, right now, actually one of the favorite things that we have, I'm starting to work with, uh, Heartland Beef and they're out of Texas and they have an Akaushi brand. Um, so it's not nearly as expensive as like the quote unquote Kobe or Wagyu that you find. Um, but it's amazing, amazing beef. And it's something that we, we usually try not to focus on center cuts. We try to focus on things that other people don't use we have ears tails cheeks all that sort of stuff on the menu uh so it's kind of weird for us to have a center of the plate style center cut uh the product's just so great that i couldn't pass it up and it's texas you gotta have meat meat and potatoes on the menu to make some of the good old boys happy (laughs) and some of the good old girls too some of the good old girls too it's true it's true um and you know i think along the line you talked about being ingredient driven restaurant which is fantastic um, changing up the menu. So how do you keep the menu fresh while also still honoring the expectations of your guests and the things that are look like that they're looking for? How do you find that balance? Well, there are some things that will never leave the menu. Uh, we tried to pull the edamame and pop rocks and there, it did not happen. Um, we didn't have it for about two weeks and then we got it back in. 
Um, so there's there's some things that'll always be here. You know, there's some you know the pork cheeks, the braised pork cheeks will always be here. Edamame and pop rocks, shishitos, probably the squid fries will always be here. Um, but so we kind of focus on you know seasonal. There's a few. There's like four or five items on the menu that will be there only for a few months um, until my ADD gets tired of cooking it or until I see something cooler. But we also you know with our features menu we have anything from five to ten different things on it and whether it's something that we really want to get on the menu um, so we use that as a, as a testing board and a sounding board to see how it sells get feedback on it and and also tweak it up you know come in today will be the same name but next week we might have changed a few ingredients on it a few different techniques uh, and we use that to kind of get our creative side out and keep playing with stuff um, it's great being able to work with some of the local guys around here. Uh, House Bar Farms every week give me a mystery basket. And so who knows what I'm going to get from them. Um, everything from duck eggs to flowers to, you know, chicory and all kinds of great stuff. So who knows what we're going to get that Monday. We're going to have to do something with it. Um, and it's great that we don't have to, like I said, we don't have to be confined to any sort of specific type of food. So we can do whatever we want. And we get some grazed some great hearty greens and then we can go and do uh, a masala with it or something like that just something that would use those ingredients well um and again working with you know the local guys with them in springdale and there's not a whole lot that we can do to feed 300 people a night um so it's great to have that rotating menu that we can only make 14 items you know, and use that and sell that out in a night and do something the next night. Um, so it's just, like I said, it's ingredient inspired. You know, mm -hmm. I see something cool. I'm like, I really like that. Let's make a dish out of that. You mentioned mystery basket. <laughs> yes, mystery baskets. So I guess house bar uh, was good prep for uh, being on Chopped. Uh, yeah, but at least, you know, Dorsey takes it easy. I mean, just gives me fresh you know, produce. I don't have <laughs> weird random drinks or donuts or uh, honey biscuits or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, the donuts it. were kind of cruel. Um, what was I it? Actually, I really liked the donuts. I you thought did. that was a good one. What was it like to be on Chopped? It, it was the most intense three courses I've ever cooked. And it was also, it's really kind of surreal because of the way that you're with the production assistants all day long and like you don't really know what's going on and they put you in a room and like you have to be like escorted everywhere that you go if you have to you know use the little boys room or anything like that any sort of hall you walk down they have to make sure it's cleared you don't see any ingredients or know what's going on um and honestly like I, we started at five o'clock in the morning at starbucks and there was five of us with knife rolls. And I was like, I thought it's only four people on the show. Like, I don't really know what's going on. And then you kind of start meandering through the building. <clears throat> and then before you know it, there's only four of us. And then, like, you know, we start everything off, fill out paperwork, put on the coats. And then, like, and honestly, like, you turn the corner, you don't know what's going on. And then, like, there's everybody waiting for you with three baskets. And they're like, go. It's just like, uh, uh I need a coffee. <laughs> Um, I didn't even sit down and think about this a little minute. Did you know it was brunch before you went on the no, show? No, nobody knew until that second. And as soon as we went into Holland, you know, Ted Holland was like, "All right, we're here for a battle brunch." And you smile. You had this like no, you had the smile like I there can't is, believe there's that. A lot, there's a lot of takes for that. So like every time he says one line, they'll film like three different reactions yeah. for it. Um, it's really 
there's a lot of stop and go and stop and go and stop and go until you open the basket. As soon as you open the basket, it's go. It's go, you know, for the 15, 20, 30 minute, however long it is. Um, but there is, like I said, a lot of stop and go and like sitting and standing in front of those judges for like 30 minutes before, you know, like 30 minutes before they even start talking to you. Like, because they walk around, all the cameramen, and like, judges looking at contestants, contestants looking at judges. And Alex has piercing eyes. She would not, <laughs> she would not break. She just stared at me from like five feet away. And I was just like, oh my God. I'm scared of you. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> uh, it, it was an absolute blast. I, I loved it. I really did. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's very interesting to put yourself in a situation where you have no idea what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, of being a little bit of outside the box and creative, um, can we talk about the Monday burger? Yes. Um, I'm really interested in why you started doing that and how you come up with your inspirations. I mean, some of them are clearly pop culture related cause I see them on, on Facebook every week, but I'm just wondering like why you started doing that and what keeps you going? Uh, you know, we, we don't do burgers at night and so we get a little bit of flack about that. And then honestly it was just... So the way we first talked about it is we wanted to have like one burger we sold at night and it would be like this one burger and we kept putting all these you know we'd have our management meetings and I would come up with a couple of burgers and my sous chef would come up with a couple of burgers and like we'd sit down and have like six different burgers and I'm like well I kind of like this one more I like this one more and I was like why don't we just do a random one like every you never know what you're going to get the next week but you know it's always going to be big and over the top and crazy and just kind of stuck stuck with it and ran. Um, we originally did 12 at a time. Now we're doing 18, and that's just about all we can fit on the flat top while trying to feed other people in the dining room. Um, and it's taken off. We've got we've had some people that have been here every day since we started. We actually had a buyout on a Monday, and six people went down to the elephant room, and we delivered burgers to them down to the elephant room <laughs> so that they could keep their tradition going. <laughs> You um, post a diagram mm-hmm. of the um, burger every week. Yeah, the, kind of the, the sketch, the build out, the the idea. And you mentioned um, earlier that you drew your own tattoo. Where mm-hmm. does this artistic ability come from? Uh, I've always always liked sketching. You know, I'm an old school comic book nerd and Star Wars nerd, and I used to draw lots of comics. I tried to get into art school and kind of ended up going back and or bridging into culinary from from art um i just love to draw and i love to sketch and you know it's all about the creative process mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be i don't want to say you know food is art and love <laughs> it is it's beautiful it looks good on a plate you know but i don't call food art i just think of it as a creative process and and it's just another way to create and way to take something from raw and process it a completely different way and then drop it down in front of somebody and they have an experience with it. You know, art is creating emotion, if you will. And, you know, food is creating emotions and memories and and tying in feelings and families and, you know, building relationships sort of deal is the way I look at it. Um, To me, it all just kind of goes hand in hand. I'm not saying every artist can cook and every cook should be able to draw, but it's all a creative process. Do you save the sketches? Yes, I have all the sketches. A couple folders. We're, I think we're coming up on maybe sixty right now. Wow! I got to get a new folder. Actually, I was trying to cram them in, starting to run out of room. <laughs> it's going to be quite the gallery show someday. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do a 
big ass book of burgers. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a great yeah. tasty coffee a, table burger. Yeah, right. <laughs> An East pop up with a uh, serve burgers and show off your burger art. That would be fun. That would be fun. That'd be super <laughs> fun. So the food world changes pretty pretty regularly, which I think is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, are there food trends right now that you're particularly interested in, or sort of conversely, is there anything you're just over <laughs> from a food perspective? Um, I wouldn't say there's anything I'm over. Uh, I feel that, you know, unfortunately, most of us kind of get stuck in our own little world. You know, I don't really know what's going on outside of Swifts and you know, the 20 minute ride home and whatever I pass out to on Netflix, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so I don't know and look at all the big trends. I just look at what we get excited about. Um, well, I know what's trending in my kitchen. I'm tired of looking at Brussels sprouts or, mm-hmm. you know, shishito peppers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, but it is interesting to see things get popular. I remember years ago I was trying to do, uh, pork belly dish and not that many people did pork belly and this lady's like oh I don't eat offal and I was like it's just pork belly it's not offal like have you ever had bacon <laughs> like it's the same thing it's just a different cooking method um, and then a year later pork belly everywhere I'm not I didn't get tired of pork belly I was just excited to see people liked it and wanted it um, I don't think that there's any trends that are out there I'm like oh my god that's awful actually you know one thing that does bother me is bone broth. I don't understand. Isn't it all bone broth it's, unless it's it, veggie broth? That's what confuses that's what me confuses about that. Why do we have like, to call it, can't we just call it broth? Can we just call it stock? Like yeah. It's stock, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's like a certain reduction point of the stock that you turn it into broth of the bone. <laughs> but like they're in like, what are the little microwave cups now? Mm-hmm. Like you get 12 packs of bone broth and it's just like, what is going on? What is, okay. Okay. I mean, I always call it stock. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. There's yeah. just, there, and it's weird that there's catchphrases that people catch up, you know, latch on to. And I think that a lot of it is that is catchphrases. Somebody heard bone broth or you know, when I was working in a butcher shop at a place, Shelby, unnamed, a customer that refused to purchase chicken unless they could get grass-fed chicken. And this happened more than once in about a year time that I worked there. I was like, they might eat some grass while they're eating, but there's no such thing as pure grass-fed chicken. Like, oh, well, I know that there is. That I only eat grass-fed chicken. I was like, I guess you never had chicken before. <laughs> so to me, it's more like trends and phases and, and catchphrases. Like, I'm happy that anybody's using any type of food. Let's keep doing it. Let's, you know, expand people's horizons, get them excited to try new stuff. Um, but these weird catchphrases and, like, you know, has to be grass-fed. It has to, you know, Stop! I don't know. It's just, it's weird to see trends that way. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you'd like to see more of in the Austin food scene? Type of cuisine or type of restaurant? Nothing off the top of my head. I think we're in a very lucky time right now that there's so many different options and there's so many people that are passionate about what they're doing that we get a great experience in just about any direction we want to go. I mean, you have to make driveway up north to, you know, get some great style food or, you know, stay downtown or go down south. But I think we're very lucky in that way. And I I think it's great to see all these people getting behind what they believe in and being able to do their own projects. Uh, 
10 years ago, it was nothing like this. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started cooking, there was only three really nice restaurants in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, it might be, genera- I kind of call it generational. You know, it's like the people that were working under the great chefs back in the day, they're now getting to play and do what they want to do. So it's, it's great. It's great to see so many people getting to follow their dreams and, and get behind their passion and do their product. I came to, to college here mm-hmm. um, in in 89, and I think back to what the nicest restaurant was when I was in college in 1989 was something like, you know, unless you were, were someone who could afford a Jeffries, right? But it was like right. macaroni grill, right? right? was where you went. And now that's just like this, it's so different. It is. I mean, well, when I was coming up, it was... Lone Star Cafe, Bubba mm-hmm. likes it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know that was Bubba likes it sticker, bumper stickers on yeah. every car. Like, and it was either it was either chicken fried steak or Tex Mex. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Hudson's doing some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Jeffries was doing some great classic style stuff. Steakhouses, and you drive out of town for barbecue. Yep. Like they're really Shoreline and Pudgy House. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I felt really lucky to be here um, for all of the transformation. So you know, as we wrap up, we'd love to know what your favorite thing is to do in Austin outside of food. Austin outside of food, other than laundry. <laughs> <laughs> You have a day off, and somebody's magically doing all of your laundry for yeah. you. Yeah, um, I think we're lucky being, you know, we call it the Hill Country. It's more, yeah, we can call it the Hill Country. Um, I think that we live in a great geological area to where you can drive 30 minutes outside of Austin. You can be in the middle of nowhere. You could go float the river. You could go camp in the middle of nowhere. And it's really my favorite thing is just kind of get out mm-hmm. from the big city, if you want to call it that. We're getting bigger and bigger. We're getting up there. Um, but it's amazing that you can go out and really feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's beautiful countryside, beautiful water, swimming holes, camping for a day or two, and just get out in the middle of nowhere and just relax. Find some place where you don't even get any phone coverage. You don't have to worry about answering any phone calls, doing any emails, and just, just relaxing. Nice. Well, thank you so much for yeah. your time today. We really appreciate it. And we hope that um, we can't wait to see the next Monday burger. I know. i got to sit down and draw it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Zach. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Zach. And we'll stop by Swift's attic to visit him and his team. Particularly on burger night. Yum. Follow our food adventures between episodes at dishingaustin.com. And join us next time for another helping of Dishing Austin. <laughs>